A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. When wickedness comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes disgrace. Proverbs 18, 2 and 3. Hello friends and all listeners, this is Kelby Sansom, your host, and this, what you're listening to, is the Sansom Family Podcast. You know, there is a Aesop fable of a story called The Miller, his, his Son, and a Donkey. It goes like this. One day a long time ago, an old miller and his son were on his way to the market with a donkey, which they hoped to sell. They drove him very slowly, for they thought they would have a better chance to, to sell him. They have kept him in good condition, and as they walked along the highway, some travelers laughed out loudly at them. What foolishness, cried one, to walk when they might as well ride. The most stupid of the three is not the one you would expect it to be. The miller did not like to be laughed at, so he told his son to climb up and ride. They had gone a little farther along the road, and when three merchants passed by, Oh, what have we here? they cried. Respect old age, young man. Get down and let the old man ride. Though the miller was not tired, he made the boy get down and climbed up himself, and he rode, just to please the merchants. And at the next turnzile, they overtook some women carrying market baskets, loaded with vegetables and, of course, other things to sell. But then they said, Look at that old fool, exclaimed one of them, purchased on the donkey while that poor boy has to walk. The miller felt a bit vexed, but to be agreeable, he told the boy he climbed up behind him. They had no sooner started out again than a loud shout went up from another company of the people on the road. What a crime, cried one, to load up a poor dumb beast like that. They look more able to carry the poor creature than he is to carry them. They must be on their way to sell the poor thing's hide, said another. But the miller and his son quickly scrambled down and a short time later the marketplace was thrown into an uproar as the two came along carrying the donkey slung from a pole. And a great crowd of people ran out to get a closer look at the strange sight. So the donkey did not dislike being carried, but so many people came up to point at him and laugh and shout. Then he began to kick and bray, and then, just as they were crossing a bridge, the ropes that held him gave way, and down he tumbled into the river. The poor miller now set out sadly for home. By trying to please everybody, he had pleased nobody and lost his donkey besides. So if you tried to please all, you please none. What does I have to do with this podcast and this segment? Well, our subject today is about cancel culture and canceling church. So I know I'm sure there's going to be already probably listeners say they're going to disagree with the podcast of how I do things. And of course, there's some majority of times I do look at a paper just to write down what I'm trying to say. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that as it is. I mean, um... I uh, can't remember his name. The guy, he, he was a preacher, and he always looked at his notes when he's preaching. Um, but uh, he's a famous theologian. I wish I could remember his name right off the top of the back, but my head just went, 
and it did a one of those brain farts. But anyways, to go on the segment, but um, when it comes to cancel culture, cancel culture, you know I never knew the concept of cancel culture. I mean, I hear it being thrown around a lot till finally I got the understanding of what it actually means. Then I gained its understanding by watching this week a video. It was a video from Bill Maher speaking about cancel culture. Funny, huh? Of all people, places, right? And listening to it on Wretched Radio, which you can, I encourage you to go look at. They have good, good feedback on. And for those who are listening and still haven't got the concept of what cancel culture is, in a nutshell, here's what it is and according to the Dictionary of Cambridge University. It is a way of behaving in a society or group, especially on social media, in which it is common to completely reject and stop supporting someone because they have said or done something that offends you. Um, and the main argument against cancel culture is that it doesn't enable people who have wrong society the opportunity to apologize and learn from their mistakes, which you give them no room to explain themselves. That's what cancel culture does. They just cancel you all together and have nothing to do with you. They shun you out. Um, and if you are an internet user, chances are you have come across the idea that we live in a cancel culture or call out culture kind of society but just don't want to sit down and talk about ideas or talk amongst ourselves as neighbors as relatives as folk but cambridge gives three examples of cancel culture and each one i'll go into the example as we discuss also the church and there's three of them the first one is cancel culture has its place and it helps to call out and remove problematic people from mainstream cultures so speaking about false information, I bet I think it's safe to say here at this point we can all agree we're tired of Facebook and it's so-called fact-checking our stuff with no actual facts. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe we should all cancel Facebook by getting off Facebook and start having conversations. I wish I had the gut to and the uh, in my flesh to do so, but I really am working on that. And I hope one day to accomplish that. So, but it's better than better that way. If uh, we have more conversations in person, why is that? Because people are less likely to cancel each other, but rather come to terms mostly if you uh, can still agree and be civil with one another and live in a society, especially as Christians, where you can learn to love your neighbor. So I wonder if that is a reason, A, not D, but A, reason people have canceled church. And I have not gone back. And I wonder if that is the reason non-Christians are calling the church hypocrites. Yes, we all are, and I'm in that minority. But that's not the main focus of the church. But it doesn't say something about, it does say something about our conduct and how we act towards one another. Scripture tells us, and there's three verses I can give you why our conduct matters. Number one, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your um, good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's Matthew 5, 16. Another one is, by their approval of this service, they shall glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them for all others. And that's 2 Corinthians 9, 13. The last one is, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of 
visitation. That's 1 Peter 2.12. But even in our witnessing and defense of the faith, we should conduct ourselves with gentleness and respect. That's 1 Peter 3.15. And not in anger or boastful tones. We also should watch our tones, too, of how we come across and how we deliver a message. Whether it be social media or in person, which I found it easier to, if someone's going to start an argument on Facebook, it's best to step back, pray, or even maybe if they're interested in the conversation, you can private message them and just ask them what made them comment on your post. And maybe you can have civil conversation that way rather than uh, embarrass each other on social media for all the world to see. Um, there's some... Um, dignity there. There should be some respect there for that. We're called to do things with gentleness and, like I said, respect. And um, we should always be ready for dialogue with outsiders and giving an offense for the hope that is in us according to, like I just said, same verse, 1 Peter 3.15. And the truth of the matter is that the gospel is already an offense to the unbelieving world according to 1 Corinthians 1.18. And Christians should not add to the offense. So have you ever seen on YouTube videos of Christians evangelizing to the culture? They've already stirred up the pot. Why? Because people are offended and will cancel you for calling them out in sin. And the Bible is clear about persecution. It's not Christians who start riots. I mean, I'm sure there's far, very few in between, depending on which domination you come from and how you were raised, perhaps. But a true Christian would not start riots, but unbelievers would and put them to death. That's how it was in the biblical times. They would persecute them. Some were hung upside down. Some were stoned to death. Some were put in boils of hot, um, uh, a big, huge bowl, or what you would call it, the what the kind of like the witches would in a big, huge stirring pot. Let's put it that way. More or less. Um, but, and they would put him to death because it all started with canceling Christians. So it's not just our 21st century type of thing. It's been going on um, for ages. And it's a two-way street. And we all are guilty of cancel culture because Christians shun the world and hide in their safe places and don't go out and preach the gospel to a needy and dying world and not tell them the truth. And not offering to open up their homes or their hearts for sinners and sufferers anywhere alike with love, but rather cancel them for who the person is, by what they look like, and not seeing them as an image barrier of God. Maybe it's worth noting here, sad note, and this is not all my notes, but in my workplace, uh, I would teach a Words Matter Stigma training, and then in one of the slides, it talks about watch what you call me pertaining to your, they're not their addiction. You speak to them in first person language. You're speaking to them that they have a problem, but they are not the problem. Maybe we should view each other that way. We all have a problem. We all have our demons, we all have our struggles. We all um, fail and we all have a problem. And that problem is sin, but, but that is, we are not a problem. It's sin. So we should therefore be all the more opening ourselves to the culture to offer them the gospel and the kingdom of God that has been offered to us. So, lost my place here. For unbelievers, they cancel the church and Christians. 
by mere parents because a certain group of people in the church left a bad taste in their mouth. So they'll view every Christian that way by not going back and mocking Christians, by preaching the gospel out of hate in their heart, which again comes from a heart that has already been shut and has closed their ears to hear the gospel. Because there will become a time, as scripture tells us, there will be itchy ears. They want to hear what you want to hear, but they will not want to hear the truth. It's already happening. And this is how unbelievers have canceled the church, because they hate God and don't want God in their thinking. And Christians, you will suffer at the hands of evil men. Let it be because you're a Christian and not because you were acting sinfully. To the unbeliever who is listening, you may have canceled the church or even every Christian you've come across. But know this, Jesus hasn't canceled you. And he still offers his forgiveness, his mercy towards you and his unmerited favor of grace and love towards you. If you ever go back to church, Go there knowing God hasn't canceled you, like us Christians have. Go knowing the gospel that is offered to you still stands free to you with no cancellation. See what I did there? Side note, that's some joking. Um, now the second point Cambridge has to say is, let's call cancel culture for what it really is. It is our way to ex- exert some control over a world that is increasingly becoming more dangerous and less tolerant. So in other words, if you don't believe my ways of thinking or my worldviews, I will cancel you. So if cancel culture wants some control in a Christian, which since we don't practice having power over people, we submit we should not be practicing that type of power, obviously. We should be submitting to authorities, as Scripture tells us, and we should love people by practicing hospitality and generosity, which I believe I said that earlier in this segment in one of the verses I gave. But Christians, we should not be surprised when someone wants you to agree with their ways. So it says transgender, I mean, their ways as such an example, example versus, you know, your, the views of the scriptures, of the Bible, the divine word of God is truth versus the world. For example, the world uh, would tell you to believe in their way of transgenderism, gay marriage, or e- abortion, or Black Lives Matter movement. Not the person, the organization. There's a big difference. And to a world, uh, to a world, to them, we seem bigot and narrow-minded for being intolerant of not accepting their opinions. So therefore, they will cancel culture you. It tells the world we are not loving, and that makes them want to cancel us Christians. That's what they think. And so take comfort, though. If they persecute you, and you persecute our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you will be persecuted too, in a little sense, more verbal sense, whatever way. They'll cancel you because they canceled Jesus. Listen to these words from Isaiah 53, 1-12. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord have been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance we should desire in him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. 
and like one from whom people hide their faces and he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. But uh, surely he took up our pain and bore our sufferings, yet we considered him punished by God and stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is silent. So, um, lost my place. Um, and sheep for his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressor. For my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich his death. And though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him Cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offspring for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the lie of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteousness servant uh, will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is your Savior, whom the world canceled, whom God hated God first. When Jesus Christ came into the world, they canceled him by condemning him to death, crucifying him to a tree. Yet he overcame the cancel culture by rising from the dead. And all those who have put their trust in his death, burial, resurrection, will have eternal life, thus overcoming this world and this life. Cancel culture might get you killed physically one day, but it can't kill you to second death, which is separation from God. Because all those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, they have passed on from death to life and have eternal life right here, right now, in this life. So let the cancel culture cancel you because there's no way out. There is no way you're going to escape um, everybody's opinion about you. Because no, Jesus hasn't canceled you and he will never cancel you if you have received him in faith. Because that's what Romans 8 is about, right? We are more than conquerors through Christ. Let Let the haters hate. Let the cancel culture say what they must. But know at the end of the day, God so loves you and you're his child if you belong to him. And you're more than a conqueror. You're more than the culture, the cancel culture, society. Number three is, and from Cambridge is this. In a cancel culture, we appoint ourselves the arbitrators of right and wrong and also the judge and jury because thanks to uh, to social media, we get the dull out punishment. Again, so let's talk about that. Right and wrong based on what standards do you uh, critique someone? Do you cancel culture someone? What 
Um, Evans, do you have what basis of right and wrong by whose standards? Is it God's? Is it evolution? Is it your own standards apart from God? Who is it, um, unbeliever? To the Christian, you should know where the right and wrong comes from. That is God's law, God's standard. He is the standard. And when it comes to judgment, I hate to agree with critics here, and I never do, because I think we should all look at the text when we look at this, uh, not just Matthew 7, 1, but the whole entire kingaboo of judgment. I'm going to come out and say it. Don't judge. That's right. Yes, we do judge. We make judgment calls every day, good or bad. And the culture loves it when you comment on them for how great someone is doing or how great they look. But that's good judgment, right? I mean, Augustine had it right. He said it best. We love the truth when it enlightens us, but we hate the truth when it convicts us. But how true is that? Um, But we need to judge as Christians with righteous judgment. We just need the body, not outsiders. God's doing is the outsiders. Inside the body, we take measures of uh, church discipline. So we can judge as Christians, those who are in the body, those who are a part of the faith, those who are in Christ. We do righteous judgment, and we don't do it with a holier-than-thou judgment. We don't have a righteousness of our own to make that call. We make judgment based upon if that someone is sinning and we call them out. So we also need to check our motives to why we judge. So are we looking to restore a brother in Christ who is in sin? Like I just said, the right judgment motive would be to confront him, then to take two witnesses, then before the church. And if that doesn't work, excommunicate them. That's the right judgment way. That's according to Matthew 18, 15 through 20. It's not, and it's not, and I know what you're thinking, or you just mentioned if you're excommunicating them, aren't you canceling them then by that? By excommunicating them, you're shunning them? Isn't that the same thing? Even in society, even you're not on social media, isn't that the same thing as canceling them like the culture? No, it's not cancel culture. If they refuse to hear you out and to hear what you have to say, they have already made up their mind and love their sin rather than their savior. So we judge based on matters of truth and the truth. And like we said earlier in the podcast, we do this with gentleness and respect. Gently correcting our brother. Those are in the church. Outsiders, that's God's doing. So remember, number one, God is the ultimate judge. No, he is not tolerant to sin or people's ways. He is holy and righteous and good in the purest sense. He will do away with injustice one day or here on earth. He's wanting people to repent. He's patient with people slowly wanting them to see the error of their ways, to see the folly and the disgustingness of sin. And then whenever they repent, they will see the glory, the majesty, the beauty of God. So remember that, church. And remember unbelievers listening. You may say also, um, only God can judge me. But you are right in saying that. One day, he will one day judge you righteously 
He will judge you based upon if you received him in faith or not. He, rece- he will judge you if you do not accept him. Simple as that. It's not being, it's not uh, cruel, but you made, you've been making your choices rather to receive him or not. It's been saying that, there's a saying that people would have, you know, is it fair for God to send people to hell? Isn't that almost like God canceling people himself? Not one bit. Because here's the reason why. People love their sin and more than God who created them. So he's just giving them what they want. I'll end it off from what I started. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding. So please understand, first off, that we need to come into ourselves and repent. And God is ready with open arms, willing to receive you as he has never canceled you. Go on saying, following the expression in his opinion, when wickedness comes, contempt comes also, with dishonor comes disgrace. Peace, if possible, truth at all costs. That's Martin Luther. Be at peace with one another, live at peace with one another, brothers in Christ, unbelievers, live at peace with one another. If you can, have a dialogue, have discussed in, in, in person, great. But don't get involved with all the stuff on Facebook with getting in arguments. It gets old. So if all you can do is be at peace with one another as best off as you can and live for the truth at all costs, no matter what it costs, even if it costs you being canceled. They cancel God, they'll cancel you. Don't be afraid. This has been the Sansa Family Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Sansom. Have a good night.